Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Back in episode four, we discussed a strange incident where, in the days after her body's discovery, Jeanette's parents... Florence and Sal paid a surprise visit to the home of Jeanette's best friend, Gail Donahue. As you might recall, Jeanette was hitchhiking to Gail's house on the afternoon of her murder. When Florence and Sal arrived at the Donahue residence, they asked to speak with Gail's parents alone. After the De Palmas left, Gail's father revealed to her that Florence and Sal had brought Jeanette's diary over and had confronted him about passages they had discovered within its pages. When I spoke with Gail in 2014, she had this to say. subjects were? Did he ever uh, discuss that with you? No, and it was weird because it didn't even occur to me to ask him. I think I was in so much shock. There was one. As Gail mentioned, she was never shown the alleged diary and therefore did not know what it supposedly said. However, in August 2019, a member of Jeanette's family provided us with a copy of what we believe to have been this alleged diary entry. This piece of writing which actually was most likely an unsent letter written within the diary's pages, reads as follows. Friday, July 21st, 1972. Dear Dee Dee, 
Tonight I'm going to see Joey after about a month. I've been constantly thinking of him, wondering, hoping, if he was blowing his mind on me. Conceited, huh? Well, talk to you tonight. Hi, Dee Dee. I can't wait to tell you what happened. After work, Gail and me hitched Donald's. I was so excited about seeing Joe, and Gail couldn't wait to catch Robert. We got a ride with some kid I met in Friendlies one day. It was frizz weather, and we had our hair on top of our heads. I don't know how we ever got a ride looking like that. As soon as we got there, I ripped my hair down. I had jeans on, a midriff, and makeup galore. Pretty sexy, huh? I walked in. My heart was beating 500 times a second. I was greeted by Timmy with his arms around me. I ducked under his arm and Donald let me in. He was wrecked. Everyone was downstairs, and Gail and me decided to sit and talk with Donald and Tom upstairs. I didn't see Joe around, and my nerves were getting to me. We were all talking when who comes up? Joe. I went crazy, but I knew I had to play it cool. I checked him over as he walked by, and I guess Donald read my mind. I couldn't give two shits. Then when Joe saw me, he smiled and stared at me for 10 minutes straight. I was telling Donald about my job, and as I looked over at Joe, I heard him say something like, wow, what a girl. Damn, I forgot what I was talking about because Joe's eyes turned me on. I decided to leave the room before I jumped on him. Remember, I was playing it cool. When I came back, he was smiling and staring his gorgeous eyes out. Then he motioned for me to go downstairs to get away from Donald. Then he took off downstairs. I wanted to go down, but I couldn't. Gail found it easy to convince me to go. I started to, but Joe came back up. We decided to go for a walk. After about getting 10,000 mosquito bites, we took off inside. Donald was mad, and he yelled about something that wasn't making sense. I got ticked off, ran downstairs, and winded up in a nice place. A mattress with pillows and curtains. Some dude comes over to me and tries to make it with me, shoving southern comfort down my throat. I took it, because I was mad. Then Joe comes downstairs. He was just sitting and watching us when Ken tried to kiss me. I told Joe to get his butt down, because he was all I wanted that night. I found out a lot about Joe, and I was happy till some greasy decides to lay down and he tried to get rid of Joe so he could have me. So I called good old Gail. I'm mean. She was attacked by Ken while I made out with Joe. It was a great night. I was so wrecked that Cindy and Gail had to dress me and put me into bed. Well, that's it for tonight. Take it easy. Jeanette. P.S. I forgot how I got home, and Joe didn't get my number. It would certainly make sense that this was the piece of Jeanette's writing brought to the Donahue residence that night. Gail is mentioned several times in the letter, along with a number of boys interested in Jeanette, including a Joe who Jeanette obviously had some significant affection for. According to a list of Jeanette's friends and ex-boyfriends that was made by her sister Cindy and given to the police, Joe was most likely Joseph Fantosi of Springfield. This is bolstered by interviews I conducted in 2013, where two of Jeanette's friends mentioned Fantosi being questioned by the police due to being mentioned in Jeanette's quote-unquote diary. Unfortunately, any details Fantosi might have revealed to the police regarding the final two weeks of Jeanette's life may never be revealed. If the interview notes made by the Springfield Police Department were saved in her case file, the originals were most likely destroyed when Hurricane Floyd flooded Springfield's municipal building with seven feet of water in 1999. If the Union County Prosecutor's Office were sent copies of the notes prior to 1999, they definitely aren't talking. As of August 2019, 
the Union County Prosecutor's Office still refuses to discuss the case in any capacity with any journalistic entity. As for Joseph Fantosi himself, he died 10 years after Jeanette in 1982. With the debate regarding Jeanette's diary seemingly settled, more questions emerge. What did Joe Fantosi know? Did the police consider him a suspect? And who is the mysterious Dee Dee being addressed in the letter? Could it have been Jeanette's sister Darlene? Donna Blattis? Some other person publicly unknown in this case? Hopefully, time will tell. When the Devil's Teeth podcast continues, we will resume examining the strange story of Otto Neil Nilsson. Special thanks to the family of Jeanette De Palma and Esther Ludlow from the Once Upon a Crime podcast. Episodes of that podcast, which I sincerely recommend, are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts can be found. Read more in the 2015 book Death on the Devil's Teeth, The Strange Murder That Shocked Suburban New Jersey. Follow us on Twitter at Devil's Teeth Pod.